Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adventures in Angular, the podcast where we keep you updated on all things Angular related. This show is produced by two companies, Top and Devs and Envoy. Top and Devs is where we create Top and Devs to get top in pay and recognition while working on interesting problems and making meaningful community contributions. And Envoy, which provides remote design and software development services on a performance basis. So clients only pay when tasks are delivered and approved. In today's episode, we will talk about NGRX version 17, which, by the way, introduces a fully signal-based store. My name is Lucas Paganini. I'm the founder of Envoy and your host in the podcast. And joining me in today's episode is Armin Vardanian. Hey, everyone. Subrat Mishra. Hello. All right, let's get to it. So, um, Armin, I understand that you read a lot about this new version of NGRX 17. So let's just start with a brief introduction of what's new. So what are the most relevant changes in this new version of NGRX? Uh, I didn't only read a lot about this. I also wrote a lot. I wrote a small application. Actually, I made the I made a Twitter thread on this. Uh, I want to just you know copy paste uh, the link here. Okay, let's put it in the comments because it has all the source code on which I've tried out. So what I did was I used the new Signal Store to build a well you know to do list application. <laughs> Uh, I find it, you know, remarkably easy to, you know, get yourself uh, familiar with new stuff by building such a sort of application because it sort of has everything that we need. It has, you know, lists of data, it has HTTP calls, it has uh, modifications and so on. So yeah, I'm 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 pretty impressed. Uh, this is a really big step. Uh, in NGRX v16, uh, the NGRX team introduced signals overall. So you could uh, not only just select data from uh, the store uh, as observables, but you had the select method, it always returned the observable of whatever data you are selecting. Uh, you could also now select data as signals. There is a select signal method. So uh, in the end of the day, even if you don't like the signal store, but you want to have signals, you can continue using NGRX store, the conventional store, uh, with select signal. So that, that was already there. It is now, I guess, stable. So uh, feel free to use it in your applications if you want to have NGRX and signals. Uh, but of course, the big, big thing that we now have is a fully signal-based store. Uh, it's functional. Uh, it's extensible. Uh, and it is uh, relatively easier to adopt than, uh, say, uh, NGRX store, like the conventional store. Because there we, you had the Redux pattern, right? You need to learn some concepts like selectors and uh, reducers. Obviously, if you are an Angular developer who knows signals but who is not familiar with Redux or Flux or whatever, adopting NGRX signals will be way easier for you. And it brings almost all the benefits that you have with NGRX store, okay? So uh, how it works is that you can create lots of stores. They can be decoupled from each other or you can couple them. You can provide them on any level of your application that you want. You can have a, 
I don't know, root level store for global stuff and component level store for whatever this one particular component is doing. Okay. Uh, so how you do it, there is a function called create store or create signal store. I'm not, I'm not sure at this point. It doesn't really matter. Uh, so, uh, and it can receive a bunch of modifications. So you can just create a signal store and pass it the with state function uh, so that you can give it an initial state. And you could be done with that. You now have a signal-based you know, uh, store. Okay, that only has this data. It automatically creates selectors to select the data that you have there. Okay. Uh, and the, you provide the data as a plain object, but now you have signals of all that stuff, right? Which is, you know, kind of a cool little thing. You don't have to write signal this, signal that all the time. But now you have a store that has data that you can select as signals. Yeah, essentially, you would just do, I don't know, my to do store dot uh, all to dos, for example, and you get the array of the signals. Then you can add computed properties derived from you know your state, and you will just you're just going to be using the computed function. So it's fairly easy. Uh, it gets a callback. In the callback, you have an object that has all your state. Now, whichever signals from your state you use, it will be a computed uh, signal created from those pieces of state. So you can create computed uh, properties there. Uh, for instance, in my uh, in the example that I provided in the Twitter thread, I uh, used a, a query to search among the, the in the to-do list. So I have the list of all to-dos. I have a query which is an empty string by default. I have user type something. I have a computed property that you know selects only the to-dos that are. Uh, relevant to whatever the user has searched, okay? and I do it with computed signals, and it works the same way. You, in the end of the day, in the, in the uh, component where you are using the store, you just get that uh, value as a signal. You don't really care how it works, and you cannot, of course, you cannot rewrite those signals. You cannot set those signals directly, which was the big stick with. The, um, for example, uh, a conventional store, you could only use actions, right? Reducers to change the state. You couldn't like say, oh, I want this property to be something. You had to create an action, you had to create a reducer. Uh, more or less the same is going on here. Uh, the third uh, extension that, that you could do to your store is add methods. There's a with method function, uh, and you can give it a, an object of methods uh, that you can then call in order to, you know, change your state. And if you want to change the state, you have to use a special function called patch state, which is essentially a small, small reducer uh, to which you can give the piece of the state you want to change and the new sort of new value or the callback to use the previous value and so on. Like in Redux, but a bit shorter, you just call it like patch state. If this method is called patch state, uh, set this new uh, whatever item, you can provide arguments and so on. Uh, and the cool thing is that you can also provide like Rx methods. There's literally a function called Rx method. Uh, and inside that Rx method function, you can define some asynchronous task like, uh, or for this state modification, what I want to do is, you know, make this HTTP call, get the response, change this, uh, I don't know, property on the store, uh, depending on the response and so on. Uh, so yeah, these are kind of like the basics, right? So you can create state, you can create computed state, and you can create methods and also RxJS methods. Okay. 
So that's the whole idea. And all of all of that stuff lives in one place. Okay. Just create one store here. It works. Okay. Yeah, it's I think pretty pretty nice. So one thing coming to my question to my mind, like if I think suppose someone is already uh, doing NGRX a lot and now they have uh, on effects, uh, writing effects, writing actions and all. I think although this will also going to work with uh, older effects and action. So, so, so suppose I think as in the in the thread Twitter, Twitter thread as well, you have shown the width method will will execute whenever there will be any state change, right? Uh, no, no. The methods are the stuff that you call when you want to change the state. Mm -hmm. uh, the computed properties will, you know, re-execute if they're mm -hmm. dependent track signals changed. Yeah, methods are for you know, uh, like actions were in their uh, store. Okay, okay. So no, no. The my question was suppose, for example, I I want to make a HTTP call to the server and for that I create actions, action calls uh, the effect, effect call the bra, uh, the HTTP call, get the data, then we, we call the reducer, then pass the states. So can we just explain a bit like how these things will work on, on these scenarios? Uh, sure, that's what the Rx method is for here. As you noticed, I didn't say anything about actions because you do not have actions in the signal mm -hmm. store. Yeah. Uh, and this is actually a gripe for me. I like uh, NGRX store. I actually didn't like component store, if anyone has uh, worked with component store. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's nice, but I didn't like that it didn't have action. It was not event driven. Uh, so, uh, for example, with one action, I could make a decision tree. I could make something. I could say, oh, this action triggers this lots of stuff and so on. Uh, which to an extent I still can get with methods, but methods are to me like a bit more imperative. Like instead of saying, uh, what would I do with the NGRX stories? I would say, uh, you know, uh, for example, this component has loaded uh, dispatch event action that this component is loaded. And I don't care who handles it, however. And in the uh, store, I would say, oh, if this component is loaded, this is an effect. I need to fetch this, this, and that. Uh, in this case, I, I have to be a bit more imperative. I need to write a function that says, I don't know, load data for this component, for example. It's a function that I'm going to call, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, and it will, it is going to belong only in one store. Uh, so if I want to fetch data in two different stores, I need to call two different, uh, two different uh, methods. Uh, again, of course, uh, what I can do is create just one signal store, a big signal store, and have different methods imported and just converge in one place into one store. I could do that. That's also an approach, not, not bad. Not a big fan myself, but you could do that. Uh, or you would have to call several methods, which I don't like. So your question about effects, why I'm saying all of this stuff, is that effects now don't exist as effects that were in NGRX store. In NGRX store, effect was just separate entity, just separate mm -hmm. thing that could like a reducer, react to actions and uh, work with observables, right? It was like a reducer for observables sort of thing. Yeah. Here, we don't really have it, but what we have is Rx method. So instead, uh, so for usual methods, for example, uh, if we look, take a look at my example, uh, for instance, uh, here I have a uh, mark as completed uh, method. Mm -hmm. This is a conventional method 
that just takes an ID of a to-do item, finds it, changed it to completely true, right, and patch patches it back on the state. So this is a simple synchronous method. Okay. But I also have a load to do's method. Load to do's now here is doing uh, RxJS stuff. It's doing asynchronous stuff. It loads data. And what it does, it uses this function called Rx method. And this is a really cool function because the Rx method essentially creates a function. It itself is a higher order function uh, that works asynchronously. And uh, its argument is the whatever observable you want it to execute, okay? Mm-hmm. So the mm-hmm. cool thing here is that you no longer need to do like switch map, like what you do would do with the NGRX effects, you would say uh, actions, pipe, I don't know, of type, let's say load to do items, switch map or merge map, and then I would say go to to do service, blah, 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 load, and so on, and in the end map to another action, which works fine for me, it's not bad. Where Rx mm-hmm. method is actually simpler, you could just use the pipe function, not the pipe operator. There is a pipe function uh, in uh, the RxJS package, not RxJS slash operator, just RxJS. And the pipe function, what it does, it creates a higher order observable if you pass um, operators to it. So essentially what you say is just execute this operator. And inside I would say, oh, okay, switch map to this HTTP uh, call or whatever, uh, and they also actually added the, well, this one existed previously. Uh, it is a custom RGS uh, operator from NGRX called tap response. So you don't need to like subscribe or map to an action. You could do tap response and inside you can provide callbacks for error, uh, completion, right? Uh, and uh, a finalized callback, which would work uh, when regardless when it is done, regardless where there has been an error or not, okay? So in my example, what it does is that uh, the next callback, it patches the state with the to-dos from the backend, the to-do list. Uh, error does a console error or whatever, however we want to handle the error. And finalize uh, turns the loading uh, Boolean to false because mm-hmm. We either completed the call successfully or there was an error, and so we no longer need to display a spinner or whatever. So Rx method is essentially what replaces effects. We no longer really have effects. Here we have methods that do async stuff with observables, but in the end of the day, they still you know have to push it to the signal store via patch state. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's about it. Our Rx method is uh, the replacement for effects here. That's the bottom line. Yeah. yeah. So here I have one more question. Like, wow. So this with with methods will be triggered on on uh, instances of the uh, store, or how will it trigger? The, suppose the in your example, load to do. How will it trigger that? Uh, yeah, that, that's that, that's a good question. Uh, either I call it on the instance of the store. So what would I do? Let's say I made the to do store, and now I have a to do component. Okay. I can provide the store on the to-do's component or wherever. I could provide it in the root. I could provide it in uh, some pod or whatever. Uh, now I inject the store. I have the resonance of the store. The store now has all the uh, properties that I defined as signals. So I can say to-do store dot, uh, let's say, loading and show spinner or not in the template. And it also contains the 
methods that I define there. Mm -hmm. So, for example, I can write an ng-init method, and there I can call uh, load to dos and uh, just select the signals and use the signals in the uh, template. But there is also a cool thing. There is also a function called with hooks. So I can define two lifecycle hooks for the store, uh, an on-init method and an on-destroy method. And that's really cool because now I don't even need to define a uh, lifecycle method in the component because the store itself says, well, if the to-do store is initialized and the to-dos are actually coming from the backend, oh, why wait for the component? I mean, yeah. there can be scenarios where, where I would want to wait for some property. But let's say the core element of this store is the to-dos, and the to-dos will arrive from the backend anyway. So I can just put that logic in the store itself and say, with hooks function, only need, please, you know, load the to-dos list and patch state and whatever. Essentially, uh, again, in my example, I also use that. I uh, define the only method and just call the load to-dos reactive method that I defined in the uh, with methods function. And that's really cool because you have like uh, different functions uh, with callbacks, but each yeah. function in its callback can use something that was defined in the other callback because you always get the state as an argument to your callbacks there and you can just call the store, sorry. You can just call are the items on the store, the state properties, or you can call some methods to execute stuff. So yeah, you have two scenarios. You either call the method there, which is useful when you are updating something. For example, in the component, uh, I have a button uh, or a checkbox rather uh, next to each to-do item. And when I click on it, uh, it just calls to-do store dot mark as a completed to-do dot ID as an argument. Mm -hmm. So yeah, uh, that's about it. You have to call it or you can use hooks to call it you know, prematurely or after the destruction of the state. Yeah, pretty cool. Like mm, this will reduce a lot of boilerplate. Absolutely. Yeah. Just right now from the top of my head, imagine having uh, some data coming from uh, WebSockets. So yeah. what you could essentially do on the initialization of your uh, store, you can say, uh, okay, establish a socket connection and uh, please, every time that this socket uh, is uh, emitting something, patch the state with whatever message it's sent. And then in the on destroy hook, uh, you could just say, oh, okay, if you destroy it, then let's disconnect the socket, okay? And now in the component, you have zero idea that this is a web socket or whatever. In the component, you will just say, okay, I have some messages, notifications, I display them, that's it. Mm -hmm. Some other things that I saw that are also news in this uh, version 17 are that they are deprecating, or actually they're not officially deprecating, but they're putting it into maintenance mode, which is NGRX data. And I yeah. thought that was interesting because it's something that I've used extensively in the past. So that was like a uh, I really? must say that I was a bit afraid when I saw that. I was like, oh, shit, I'm going to have to migrate a lot of what I have. And I wonder if you, because I haven't seen them suggesting a direct alternative to it. Like, sure, they're migrating to a more signal-based approach. 
but this wouldn't really work for what NGRX data was supposed to do, which is to already provide you a default uh, store created based on like basic crude operations to a particular API. So that's that's gotta be RxJS because we're doing asynchronous work. So I wonder what would be the recommended approach um, for that, like for anyone wanting to create a facade between their uh, their data stores and API resources, for example. That's a that's a good question, uh, but I want to highlight something before uh, before I answer it. Uh, NGRX isn't migrating anywhere. Uh, like uh, both the NGRX store and component store and the signal store will continue to be maintained. Will continue to be updated. Uh, so essentially, the only thing that we got here, like I wouldn't really connect. Uh, putting uh, NGRX data into maintenance with signals. I think this was a big thing that was coming all along. Uh, and it stems from one thing that I'm, I'm now going to say something opinionated, and I, I want to make clear this is just my opinion. Uh, I don't claim to be completely right on this, but uh, I don't think we really need facades for NGRX. Uh, of course, there's been lots of articles from lots of people that I respect, and uh, I think their opinion is very valid. Uh, but I, you know, respectfully disagree. Uh, for me, like uh, you have facades, they would create facades, they would write the selectors there, and the in the component they would inject the facades and so on. Uh, I don't agree that this is necessary. Uh, because for me, NGRX store, for example, if you, if you take the most the most basic thing, like the NGRX store, for me, it is already a facade. Uh, for instance, it acts as a facade uh, with the fact that it has uh, effects that are essentially decoupled from your component flow. Like you don't call effects directly in your, uh, in your components. Essentially, you have a facade called the store. And it actually just gives you two methods. You select the data and you dispatch actions. And when you dispatch an action, you really have no idea from the component perspective which selected properties would change. Okay? You dispatch an action, which is essentially just an event. Uh, if you are doing it correctly, lots of people would do like imperative actions, like they would say, load data, load this. Entities, blah blah blah. In reality, what you need to do is you need to do create events. Like your component loaded, okay. You dispatch an action that says, I don't know, user profile component loaded. That's it. That's what you tell the world. You say, I am a component. I'm here. I was loaded. Please, whatever. I I also need this data. I select this data and I dispatch this action. So it is already a facade. Uh, NGRX data for me is sort of a facade of a facade. Uh, it's useful. I mean, I don't. Uh, I, I completely agree that uh, it's useful in the context of like, I don't have to single-handedly write out every single crude operation method. Uh, that's an understandable thing. Uh, no disagreement there. But in most enterprise applications, this is like 20, 25% of the work. You would still need to define lots of lots of methods. And in the end of the day, you have to keep track of your services that work with the, you know, the data, right? Make sure your API is a bit, you know, works 
in the way it is intended. Like imagine having an API that uses a post request to get some data. I mean, uh, that's not unheard of, right? You could have a very big query and uh, it just doesn't fit as a query parameter. So I have to send the body and you need a post request. So those sorts of problems can come up, right, with NGRX data. And NGRX data only solves like 20% of the problems. And it was like, not really a problem, but more like boilerplate code. That code still exists, right? You still write out your services and you just sort of uh, make them connected to the store and you don't directly access the store, but rather use the, you know, the facade of the facade, right, that you have with NGRX data. So it's not useless, obviously. It's not, it's not a bad thing, but it just doesn't, I guess, warrant, like, it's too big of a contract, okay? And that is what now you're experiencing, right, Lucas? Like, you think, oh, I have to, you know, refactor this because I have... Uh, sort of married my state into these services via NGRX data, right? And now, uh, well, they're not deprecating it, at least I think in the foreseeable future. I don't think it will be deprecated, deprecated in version 18, okay? Uh, they could, uh, however, deprecate it in 20, for instance. I couldn't say much about it. But still, it would be well ahead of time. So there is time to refactor it. Uh, I think it would be relatively easy to refactor it to a conventional store, right? Or you could rewrite it into facades, like you write out the facades yourself, so they don't, you know, you have a facade with the same method, and then you can start removing the facades one, one by one. And you just remove NGRX data, and then you will deal with your facade later, for instance. There is a strategy, I guess, to it. <laughs> I don't think it is that simple because, for example, there's one particular thing that NGRX data handles, which is really hard to do manually, like really hard, which is um, the error handling. For example, you can have a method in your, uh, in your facade exposed using NGRX data that would be like create one, for example. And this is going to return a promise. And what you can do is make it so that if the request to the backend fails, that promise rejects. And if it works, the promise resolves with the data, but it, it not just resolves with the data, but it also updates the cache that you have. So everything that is listening to that cache also updates. Doing this error throw is much harder without NGRX data. Because if you have like a normal store uh, and you just want to, like you want to emit the error to as an event so that whoever's listening to the error event can answer to it. But you also want to just throw the error in the method that is way harder than it looks. And NGRX also does a lot of internal ID creation to connect the error to the uh, event that triggered it. And that's kind of hard to do on your own. 
I uh, yeah, I get that. Uh, of course, it's a, it's a concern. Uh, I think the main contributor to data being put into maintenance mode was well, like a popularity, obviously. Not a lot of people are using. I have never used that. I tried it out once in a pet project, and that was about it. Uh, another significant blow to NGRX data was the introduction of um, feature stores, right? So you could combine, you could bring a reducer, and you could bring, uh, it will automatically generate uh, the selectors. And uh, now you have also create action group. So essentially, uh, what it does, it says, you know, this this package provides more freedom. So just NGRX store. Let's just enhance it so the real boilerplate stuff, like selectors that just select some property, like you don't need to be a genius to, you know, do that. The store can handle it automatically. Uh, or if you want to create lots of actions that are connected with each other, okay, you just create action group, you can create lots of actions. And what is happening now, it says, okay, uh, that package was useful, but uh, we're not going to maintain it because uh, one problem it has is it has nowhere else to grow. Like it cannot, you know, predict what other custom methods you want to have. Right. So now what you can do is if you are, uh, let's say, error handling, like you have this approach, right? What you could do with functional approaches, right, that we have in NGRX, what you could do is you could have a higher order function that just does that. Uh, for instance, you have top response now, right? You can just wrap it inside another function, your custom top response. It will always do the same error handling, but you could also, let's say, provide a, an optional argument of another callback that you want in one specific case with error handling. Okay. So you can write like five lines of code to fully customize that uh, function. And the same goes for uh, actions. Uh, you have an action group now. You can also like actions themselves are just functions. When we call like create action, it does really create an action. What it does is creates an action creator, which we then need to call to get the actual action object, right? Uh, what you can do, you can wrap that function. Uh, we did uh, this approach, for example, with NGRX store, but you could do the same with signal store, with component store. What we did, we created a higher order function. It was called, for example, specifically for HTTP. It would create uh, free HTTP uh, actions. It was called create HTTP actions. It would take uh, response mo uh, request model, response model, what we are sending to the server, what we're expecting from the server, and it would give us free actions in a tuple. Now, uh, the error and success function uh, actions had their specific metadata on this object, but I didn't need to define that metadata. So for example, uh, errors always had something like success false on it, uh, and in the effects, what I would do, I would first get uh, all actions. I would filter out the ones that are related to HTTP with the metadata I put in the action. Okay. Uh, then I would perform, I would see if, okay, this is an error. Uh, in case of error, I would call some error handler service to handle that error. Okay. Uh, and uh, if it was a success, I would display a message or whatever and so on. So those are just two effects, global effects. 
that worked always. So I never actually wrote a single line of uh, uh, duplicate error handling code. Instead, I would just would say catch error, return observable of this error action that was automatically created for me. I didn't need to define anything. Obviously, this is several lines of code more than not writing any code. But um, I guess it's less obscure, like what goes on there. Like the function that creates free error actions is fairly simple to explain. You could comment it, you could document it, and then you can document two effects that are handling success and error cases. And essentially that's it. That's what I like about uh, event-driven uh, component, uh, uh, sorry, state management, which we have with NGRX, which I like. Uh, I like that I can say, okay, I want to do something on all HTTP calls, okay? Sort of like an interceptor. Now I would have to do an interceptor. But what if I want to do something on all errors? Like, I don't care. Every errors, I want a red notification message somewhere on the screen, okay? I Probably I would do some other ha error handling for some specific cases, but I always want that red thing that says something done wrong, sorry. I can do that easily with effects, with action-driven, event-driven state management. I can't do that with NGRX data. I can't do that with, uh, with the signal store. I can't do that because it doesn't have actions. But the cool thing, sorry, I'm, I'm talking too long for, on this question, but we just arrived to, to logically arrive to the, the other big thing. When I say the signal store is extensible, means that you can write your own functions and use the state and provide it to uh, the signal store creator function, meaning that actually, if you really want to, you can have uh, event-driven Stuff. You could do a reducer-driven stuff in a signal store. You can do that by um, writing your own custom function. I have seen people doing that. I haven't tried it out yet, but it is possible okay? because it is extensible. And you can wrap pieces of state into functions and using other stores. Okay, uh, So with signal store, you can do that. With NGRI's data, I guess you, you still have to resort to the manual stuff when it came to custom things. Uh, so the benefit was, again, I'm not trying to say it was a bad package. I didn't like it, but it was more of a case like, okay, it will work if I have a table that is purely crude stuff. But in general, this isn't really how the world works. It's like 15, 20% of cases, but more complex cases, interconnected models and so on. That does make sense. Um... Still, I wish that, for example, all those utilities that you said everyone's going to have to build, uh, if the people that are built NGRX data uh, could do that, that would be way better, of course. But again, I understand this open source community. We can't really just put that pressure into the maintainers, but it really would be amazing because this migration can be really frustrating and not every company is going to have uh, professionals that will be able to build all those utilities that NGRX data used to provide. But yeah, I, I understand that like NGRX itself never said they would, 
continue the development of NGRX data. It was always a project created by other members of the community, not the official creator and supporter of NGRX. So uh, yeah, that's that's a good point. Although it was never something that was advertised. So enterprise companies making the decision to use NGRX data didn't knew that the support and continuation of that package would be different from the rest of the NGRX core packages. You know, it's kind of like when you put something in the at Angular scope, you expect it to be supported just like every other uh, package in the Angular scope. So uh, that's the expectation. If it uh, were like an at NGRX dash community, then okay, you kind of already understand that uh, we're talking about different maintainers, but it was in the NGRX scope, you know, so that was like a, a huge blow to me. And I'm pretty sure that it would be hard to explain to uh, to clients uh, like that it was a good decision in hindsight. I, I see some developers maybe having some tough conversations uh, with their managers when the managers realize that the package is going to be discontinued. Uh, but yeah, another thing that I think would be interesting for us to talk about is component store. Like there is no direct replacement for component store, but at the same time, like the signal-based store can very easily be used to serve the purposes that the component store was serving. But it is... Um, Interesting that like it's a general purpose store, but also it can be uh, used for the specific case of just being a component store. Uh, whereas in the past we had a specific solution for local component data, which was the component store. So uh, I think that that was a, an interesting movement too. It simplifies things because you don't have to learn the component store and the general store. You just learn a regular. Uh, NGRX stores, and then you can apply that in any case you want. Um, but yeah, it would be cool to see it being applied to just local component data, just so that people understand how they could use that for newer components that they're building, and also if they're just going to migrate components that were using component store to it, how that would be done. Uh, so you guys have anything to say about this component store thing? Well, uh, component store is not new at all. Uh, it, it's not going to be replaced, definitely. Uh, I think what NGROX does now, right now is they sort of cover the entire market of ideas. You want a decentralized, uh, sorry, centralized event-driven state? Okay, use NGROX store. You want class-based uh, store uh, with, uh, you know, uh, you, you want class-based store with uh, observables? Okay, you can use uh, component store and it will be uh, decentralized. Essentially, the store thing can also be decentralized because you can feature state, uh, lazy load, feature uh, stores, right? It's just one unified store under the hood. In, in these other cases, you have different stores that can work with each other with dependency injection, right? Uh, if you want fully functional stuff, you can go uh, with signals, you can go with signal store. The cool fact, actually, uh, and I saw it in another 
tweet, I think, by Marco from the Android team, uh, I, I saw that uh, you actually, when you call Signal Store, it creates a class under the hood because it's an injectable. And you can actually write your Signal Stores as um, classes. You can extend the class from, you can say, with store, uh, with the state, your class extends this. And now you just write conventional methods in your class and hooks and so on. And it's pretty cool, actually. If you don't like like this fully functional nested callback, callback stuff, you can just extend the base basis of your store into a class. And then in the class, you can write whatever methods, Rx methods, and so on and so on. And it's actually really cool. So you have essentially four approaches. You can do uh, uh, Redux-based event-driven. You can do component-based RxJS-driven. You can do functional uh, signal-driven. And you can do class-based signal-driven. And if you are really keen about it, if you have the time for that, you can actually do event-driven with signals, either by using uh, select signal on the conventional store or fully you know, extending the... A signal store with reducers actions and blah, blah, you can do that. It is extensible. So what I think the movement here is uh, more towards like diversity. You have uh, every need you have, like you are developing a small application. Okay. You don't really need a full blown store selectors, features, blah, blah, blah. You know signals. You are not very good at RxJS. You don't care about RxJS and you don't really have many methods. Uh, talking to the backend. Sure, just drop a signal store, a couple or two. They can work together. You can inject one signal store into another. So you essentially still have one big store if you want to. Okay, if you need something from another store, you can just inject it. Use it. And you are uh, up to your work. You don't need to know a bunch of stuff, care about a bunch of stuff, think about scalability. And the fact that you are using these stores, you can always scale up to NGRX store. You can create one centralized store afterwards when your application grows. And then you could say, ah, okay, I would just switch these injected stores in my components to the uh, conventional store and use select signal. And that's it. You, you're still getting the same data. Under the hood, from the component perspective, nothing has changed. That's the cool thing. You can have these diverse approaches. Pick one which you want. And I guess NGRX data just didn't fit into any one of them. Yeah, I think uh, this one thing came to my mind. It, this will also go, going to help in a lot of micro front-end development. Like first you put it, uh, put the put your signal stores, and then once you finalize, and or you have now multiple micro front-end, and you want to maintain one store for your application, then. Like Arman, you say you can go with the bigger store approach rather than uh, micro store approach. So uh, I think this also may possible have multiple store with signal store. Like the store will not be related to each other, and you can you can just share the store in between in between your components. It entirely like depends on how you provide your store. If you create a store and provide it at the root. Then mm -hmm. your entire application has access okay, to it. Yeah. Of course, you can reduplicate. I don't think that's a good approach. But again, you could reduplicate the global store by providing the store in the component. No one really does that, but theoretically you could. 
I think it's uh, cool that you can just, you know, say, uh, like, what I see myself possibly doing is having a an event-driven NGRX store for all the stuff. And then each component has its own store, its mm-hmm. own facade, if you will. But it's a signal store that just injects the big store, takes all it needs from it, uh, takes all the component data change stuff, injects it back into the component. And now the component just has to you know work uh, with all these things. It's way easier on the unit testing stuff. In the thread that I posted, I also did some unit testing. It's very, very easy to unit test A, uh, NGRX signal store. So uh, having this sort of interconnection with the big store and small store uh, could work well in terms of unit testing, right? Yeah. So yeah, you can have multiple store, yeah, or, or you can just have a big root signal store and a small local component store, and you can then choose how you work with it. I would prefer to combine them into one at the component level, uh, and then just use one store and say, I don't know, use a profile component under the hood that actually uses all these other stores. But I don't know it. I don't care about it. I just use whatever data I need for this component, right? Mm-hmm. And I unit test whatever I need for this component. And it's easier to mock also, right? You don't need to mock this entire store. You can mock this small one that only uses two things from this store and so on. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, you can both combine, recombine, and so on. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the segregation of responsibility will be good here. And the components become super simple in this case. Like again, in the thread, in the example, component TypeScript has literally one line of code. It just injects its store, uses it all in the template. It's just a no-brainer to see how it is both good for the readability of the component, for the... Like, all your component logic is ex- is expressed in every component, is expressed uh, in the same pattern by using the signal store uh, approach. So your components kind of become more uniform. You can adopt this like an approach. Oh, my components just need to use a signal store uh, for its state every time it's a bit more code but we now know all the components you know conform to this we can easily see that and so on. And again you can just use uh, uh, you know component uh, class based sorry class based signal stores which is also mm-hmm. possible yeah right i like that like overall um, i think it was a really positive addition to ngrx mm-hmm. i really like the the movement of going signal based uh, I think that's definitely going to, it's already going to simplify things for us that are like uh, old Angular developers, <laughs> but it's going to be even easier for newcomers into the framework. So I really like, I really like this movement. And yeah, I, I actually don't think I have anything else to to aggregate to this discussion. I think we can start wrapping up. The last thing that I'd like to say is how much I like the functional approach that those libraries are are going for is not just syntax. It makes it so much easier to really reuse parts of the library because uh, you don't have to like create a base store and then extend it. You know, you, if you have parts of it that that you want to reuse in other stores, even if like you have methods that you want to reuse in other stores, you can just create a function that returns those those methods and then you use you call that function during the store creation you know kind of like with 
custom methods X, whatever. And then it's going to give you those methods. So I, I really like uh, how this is going. I think it's much, much, much easier to create reusable code. Um, and yeah, I think developers just need to be cautious not to introduce uh, dependencies that should not be present. You know, uh, it's that same. Copy and paste is better than the wrong abstraction. So you don't want to create wrong uh, dependencies among your code base. But other than that, if you have a particular piece of code that you're repeating among all your stores, then you can just isolate that into functions and reuse that uh, during the creation of all these stores instead of isolating in a base class and having to extend it. So I really like how this is going. Yeah, I think that's mostly it for me. So if you guys don't have anything else to, to add, I think we can go to... One very, very, very small thing. Just if you're working with Rx method, make sure that all the operators and all the stuff you import, you import from RxJS, not RxJS slash operators. It won't work and you won't know why, because there you are not inside an observable. You are actually creating an observable using the pipe function, not the pipe method. It was a very big pain point for me uh, just doing this uh, small application. I was like, why is this not working? This is literally what I what is in the uh, you know official blog post example. Why is it not working? Oh, wait. Maybe I need to use the map function rather than the map operator that goes into the pipe method of some observable. So yeah, be careful with that because uh, I think it's customary for us to import that stuff from RxJS slash operators, but those are different. Those are functions intended as you know higher order functions for uh, existing observables rather than uh, just functions that return observables themselves. Yeah, I think if someone left before this and started and doing the code and it might they might face the same issue and again come to the episode and see after 50 50 minutes we give you the solution uh, okay let's let's get to promos then so mine's gonna be quick uh just the default i'm gonna promote unvoid so it's unvoid.com uh, and we provide remote software and design uh, services on a performance basis. So clients only pay after the tests are delivered and approved, which removes every risk that you may have by hiring an outsourcing agency. Also, avoid uh, engineers and designers working U.S. time zones. So you also don't have communication issues of like trying to talk to your development team and having to do that at midnight because to them that would be like 10 a.m. or something like that. So these are the kind of things that Envoid has solved for you while still having uh, an interesting price point. So if you're interested in either outsourcing your project or augmenting your staff, be sure to check out Envoid.com and contact us if you're interested in that. So yeah, this is going to be my promo for today. Um, Armin, how about you? Actually, if, if, uh, finally enough, the, the publication just dropped something for me to promote today. So 
on the last one i um you know notified our listeners that i have a book in early access about modern angular sadly not on jarx but uh, modern angular uh, my new book is all about the you know, recent latest cool features that we have in angular so it is in early access uh, last week three chapters were published uh, and today two more arrived and actually uh, one of the chapters is kind of touching on the points that we we're discussing today so one chapter is about the different uh, you know small uh, cool things that we have like uh, host directives ng optimized image uh, you know uh, input transformations required inputs that sort of stuff and the fifth chapter that dropped today is about rxgs rxgs interop package custom operators that we can do how we combine it with the inject function and so on so yeah let me also put the link to the book it's an early access meaning meaning you can buy it with a discount you can try it out Oh well, the website is down, but whatever. <laughs> I will put I will put the link here. Hopefully, it will it will resolve soon enough. So yeah, um, if you if you choose to read the book, hopefully you enjoy it and it is useful to it. Uh, feel free to comment on the live forum about the book. It's still a bit of a work in progress. We're polishing it out. So and yeah, uh, more content to drop soon. All right. Yeah, uh, feel free to send that in any links that you, you'd like people to see in the comments section because that's going to be sent to uh, everyone that is in, that's watching the live stream. All right. Uh, I'm just mentioning that because you sent in the chat that is private to, to just us. All right. How about you, Sobret? Yeah, I think uh, it's simple for me as well. I would like to promote my YouTube channel. Is fun of heuristic. So please guys go ahead and watch that uh, and let me know what, what you want to see more. Like some people are seeing me do some uh, react videos. But uh, yeah, it depends on how my mood goes there. Yeah. So please go and check fun of heuristic. All right. Okay. Um, I think that's all for today. For today. Thanks everyone. And I'll see you in the next one.